what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. For organizations looking to enhance their customer relationships, this is Stepping Up Service. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stepping Up Service. This is our podcast show here on the Mesh.TV network, where we talk about ways and strategies for delivering the best customer service to your customers, your employees, your partner organizations, whatever it may be. Great helpful information on ways to make sure your customer service is at the level you want it to be for your organization. My name is Alan Jackson. I'm with Jackson Group, which is a firm that conducts customer and employee engagement and satisfaction surveys for a variety of organizations across the country. And my co-host, as always, since day one, actually, on this show, it has been a long-running partnership here, Mr. Ed Gagnon, who is with Customer Service Solutions. Ed, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing, Alan? Doing just fine, just fine. Good. Uh, Ed's company, Customer Service Solutions, they uh, really work hand-in-hand with organizations on doing exactly what we're talking about in this podcast, which is the whole idea of elevating your customer service culture at your organization. Um, and just so many different ways and uh, methods for doing that. If you're interested in learning more about Customer Service Solutions, their website is cssamerica.com. They've got some great information online, blog posts, email newsletters, a lot of different information you can read and get in touch with them if you have some some questions or need some help with anything. But Ed, as we get into our show today, and we, we always pick a topic that we're going to discuss in each of these episodes, and then at the end of the episode, you and I are both going to come to the to the table with our customer service story of the month, something that's happened to us in the recent last 30 days, either positive or negative, something we can use as a, uh, a do or don't story for people listening uh, with, that had to do with the kind of service we received. So let's get into our topic first, if we could. Sure. And I know uh, you were really interested today in talking about this idea of email marketing and, and how to apply a customer service appro- approach to email, which I think has got to be a really interesting challenge for a lot of people just because email is such a very unique way of communicating nowadays. Is that, is that true? I mean, are we talking about something that's a little different and maybe not as comfortable for everybody these days to do? Yes, definitely. And and the reason why it's important to uh, have this topic is for folks who are into retention and growth of their business and they're into customer service, when they hear the words email marketing, uh, that marketing word can throw them a little bit. Uh, if you've ever been on the receiving end of just being blasted by email messages from organizations, typically retailers or maybe it's some sports venue, uh, you, you can tell that uh, email done wrong can really turn you off with the business. It can make you want to unsubscribe. It can make you feel like you're, you're almost getting spammed by these organizations. But email can be a very effective tool for relationship development, renewal, growth of relationships. So we're going to talk about email marketing, but we're going to do it from the perspective of an organization that's very customer service, customer retention oriented. Well, and I think this is really helpful, even for me in particular. I mean, I'm a huge email guy. That's how 90% of my communications with clients or vendors or anything else work these days. It's a method I prefer. I do like using email. 
And we as a company, of course, use email for marketing purposes as well. But we always worry about, <laughs> are we doing it the right way? Are we doing using it effectively? Are we going to end up just upsetting our customers the way we're doing it? So I'm really excited about hearing kind of these tips and ideas. And I just want to make sure I'm doing it right more than anything else. So <laughs> Okay, yeah. great. Well, this will be your, your own personal checklist, Alan. What are you doing great? What do you need to adjust or improve on or start or stop doing? So, well, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, and that's why I wholeheartedly encourage anybody else listening into the show to do too. If you're in a company where you, you are conducting email communications and marketing, let's, let's do this checklist together. Let's see how many of these things we're doing and how many of these things we could be doing a little better to make this, this really valuable resource even more valuable for us. So that's yes. great. So the, yeah, so these are uh, 10 tips. We'll go through five, take a break, go through our next five. But these are 10 tips to really get at email marketing from a customer service, customer retention perspective. Perfect. Good. So you re- ready to get yep. going? I'm ready to go. Let's do it. All right. Well, instead of David Letterman, who goes 10 to 1, we're going to go 1 to 10. We're going to just uh, uh, switch it up a little bit. And the first one uh, is called For Renewals Go Long. Mm -hmm. So if your goal is to renew your account, let's say on an annual basis, where you have a contract you're renewing, an agreement you're renewing, um, what you want to do is you want to think long term. So don't view your email marketing strategy as, okay, we're a month out from renewals. We're going to send that first renewal notice via email and and see what happens. Instead, think longer. Literally view renewals as a 12-month process. Hmm. When you start signing that agreement from one year, you're actually beginning the the email uh, marketing process for the next 12 months. So what you want to do is think about this as a 12-month process. What are those touch points? And we've done other podcasts on touch point planning. What are those key touch points I need to have in place over a 12-month period so that I'm developing relationships, I'm learning information about my clients, and when the time comes when I am sending out those renewal notices, uh, it's not a matter of having to do a heavy marketing push. It's a matter of that, that customer feeling like the relationship's growing, feeling like the value's growing, and feeling like they really want to respond positively to that renewal message. So for renewals, go long. Make it a 12-month email marketing plan. So, so the idea being there, just to kind of put it in some very practical sense for somebody, you know, if you have a service that has an annual renewal date to it, where every year you know this person needs to pay this $50 to be renewed in this program or whatever it may be. It's yes. to make sure you, if you're going to use email as a primary communication tool, it's going throughout the entire year, building the case for that renewal so that when you do get to that renewal time, it's almost an automatic um, exactly through communications, yeah. through sharing of information, through giving them the kind of things they're looking for doing that throughout the year, instead of just waiting for that 11th month, send them the notice that there's time to renew. Yes, that's definitely the approach you want. What you want to do is think about the the customer, okay? It's going to be 12 months from now. They're going to be making a decision on whether or not to renew. What are they going to be basing that on? Whether they're going to be basing it on uh, are we helpful in providing education on how they can best utilize our service or our, or our tool? Are they responsive to our needs? Um, uh, that customer is going to look at the company and say, is this a company where I have a good relationship with my account rep or I really feel like I'm getting tremendous value out of what they offer? So if those are some of the decision-making factors, those renewal drivers, then you say, what do I need to do with my email marketing plan over 12 months to get at those? Well, one thing you'll have to do is you'll have to gauge feedback periodically. How are they feeling about the relationship? So if there's issues, you identify it well before the renewals. So part of your touchpoint planning is surveys. 
Um, if that education on how to get the most out of your product is important to them, then you start thinking, what are those one or two or three touches over a 12-month period that I need to offer that really help the customer to make sure they're getting their biggest benefit out of their relationship with us? How can I educate them on how to use our product? So you start thinking in terms of what is the customer have in their mind? What are those renewal drivers? And if you can get a good sense of what those are, then you can start to build your touchpoint plan to systematically address those throughout the year. Mm, nice. So the idea going long, think long-term with those renewal strategies, not just the month of the renewal, uh, being ready to pull the trigger on that. So Exactly. Right. Okay. Yep. Number two. Mm-hmm. Number two says, for events, think pre and post. I'm sorry, Ed. Repeating yes. that again, you're saying for events, think pre and post. Pre in. So P R E I N post. Got it. Okay. Great. So, so, in other words, view uh, instead of the 12 month renewal period, let's say that you're an organization that has a lot of events. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's something in the community or it's a major sale or some kind of uh, customer facing event. When you think about your email marketing strategy for that event, it's not just a matter of doing your pre-event marketing and you're actually going through a process of trying to really push and push and sell and sell. What you want to do is view it as a three-phase process. The first, the pre-event phase, is when you are in sale mode or once you've made the sale, you're in teaching mode. Do they know how to navigate to your facility? Do they know how to, to have the greatest experience within your facility or within your event? So not only what are those sales messages to have as a part of your email marketing strategy before the event, but what are those teaching, teaching-oriented teaching yeah. touches? The end part says during the event itself, can you have certain quick touch points with the customer to gauge their satisfaction and to make sure that they're uh, going to all the different types of venues or activities that could be of most benefit to them, especially if it's a multi-day event mm-hmm. such as uh, a convention or such as some kind of sporting event that's over a period of a week. Can we do that email marketing via more of a survey mode uh, during that event week? And then on the post end of things, you want to seek feedback. You want to know how they felt. You want to know their likelihood to come back for the same event the next year. So then you have as part of that email marketing strategy around the event that that post-event follow-up where you're gauging, again, satisfaction. You're, you're gauging their feel for the experience, and you're also gauging their likelihood to, to return to a similar event in the future. So if it's an event email marketing strategy, think pre, in, and post. Pre for before the event. And for things going on during the event, post is after the event to get some feedback. Yes, that's exactly right. So just to give you one quick example, I'm working with a K-12 educational organization. We're getting ready to roll out some professional development that's going to be rolled out system-wide to 10,000-plus employees. Wow. So what what our process will be from a communications planning standpoint is we're going to have a lot of communications going out, or or not a lot, but an appropriate number of communications going out before this professional development is delivered so people understand that it's coming, they understand what they need to do with it, they understand why it's being delivered. During the course of this multi-month rollout, we're going to be touching with them, reinforcing some of the key points in the training and the professional development, and then once it's complete, we're going to be touching out to them after the fact just to reinforce some of the key points, get some feedback on the program. Mm-hmm. So that's an example of a program or an event uh, where we're, we're trying to set it up, lay the ground.
on work so people are not being exposed to it cold. Uh, we're getting the feedback during the process, tweaking as necessary, and we're following up on the back end. Right. That's, that's awesome. And, you know, so many times we always just think about the pre-stuff and we don't think about the end and the post. So I like carving it into three pieces and knowing that's all one bit piece of the puzzle for, for email marketing, for yeah. events especially. Great. Yeah. Well, what's your third one you've got for us? The third one is called Flip the Timing Strategy. Okay. So whether it is with renewals, whether it is with events or, or some of the other uh, aspects of email marketing and a strategy for email marketing that we'll discuss. Oftentimes, organizations, when they're creating their strategy, they think about, I'm going to push this message at this period of time. I'm going to send this email at this period of time. Uh, and maybe that's sales saying that. And then maybe marketing has their own set of messages. Maybe the service group has their own set of messages. And they're all thinking that they're crafting this very cohesive, very well-structured email marketing campaign, but they're all going to the same customer. Hmm. So when we say flip the timing strategy, don't assume because my division or my department has what looks like a perfectly sound uh, email marketing strategy, that that email marketing timing is going to work for the customer. So what you want to do is bring all the stakeholders within your organization together, have them lay out their email marketing approaches, and then flip it to view it from the customer's perspective. Hey, if I'm a new customer, or I'm an existing customer, and I'm a long-term customer, or I'm a business uh, type of client as opposed to a residential or individual client, how do these messages look when they're coming at me? If I'm getting a sales message from uh, the sales department every Monday morning, and then I'm getting uh, a marketing message in the afternoon, and then I'm not getting anything for three weeks until I get a follow-up from service. Does that make sense to me from the customer's perspective? So don't just design it and push it out the way you think it's right. Take on the persona or the profile of that customer and try to understand what the timing and the look and the feel of the messages looks like from their perspective. That That's a really, really good point. And I think... Uh you know, so many times it's just, okay, well, we've got the email message done. Let's just get it out there. And we've tripped over ourselves as well, sending out multiple messages kind of in the same time period from different areas of the company because we didn't really work on the timing. We didn't come up with a good timing strategy for it. So I like that a lot. That's some good feedback there. Right. Okay, great. Uh, item number four mm-hmm. is do the AB shuffle. The AB so, shuffle. The AB shuffle. I think I did that at a wedding reception just this past week. You did? I think it, so. Is that yeah. on video? Can we look it up on YouTube? <laughs> it might be. I don't know. Uh, oh, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells well, me this isn't a real dance, right? So AB shuffle, uh, A slash B shuffle. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. It's not a dance, unfortunately. Yeah. It's something a lot drier, a lot less fun, but yeah. it's very important. Now, this is all about testing, testing, testing. Essentially, uh, when you get a lot of smart people in the room and, and you get a lot of marketers in the room, they come up with these real creative, these great ideas, and they want to run with it. Uh, but the question is that that isn't answered immediately, is it going to work? Hmm. And you don't want to launch headlong into this email marketing campaign without some feel for is this truly the best way to deliver it, the best messaging, the best content, the best subject line, the best uh, look and feel of the emails, the best timing, et cetera. So when we say do the A-B shuffle, essentially what we say is pilot some different alternatives uh, to make sure the timing is right, the messaging and the subject heading is right, maybe the graphics used are right. So you might look and and come up with two totally different versions of the emails that you're sending out to, to two different customer groups. And you see which one gets us the most opens, which one gets us the most click, clicks, which one gets us the most uh, responses and, and sign-ups for those events or renewals. So before you roll out something in mass, if it has never been tested, literally run a pilot with a subset of your customer groups. Maybe you have two to three 
different options out there. So you can test A versus B. You can look at messaging and which one seemed to work better for opens. You can look at the graphics and which one really uh, gave you the highest click-through. You can look at the actual uh, conversion and figure out which landing page or website really got you the biggest bang for the buck. So when you're creating your email marketing strategy, make sure you incorporate the A-B shuffle. And just because this is a term that a lot of times in marketing you hear the whole A slash B you know, and I think you alluded to it. It's the idea of you have two options. You have two mm-hmm. different versions, kind of your A version and your B version. So we're talking about having those multiple versions, not just assuming the one layout or messaging you did is going to be the one that's going to get you the best return. Exactly. Uh, it's testing it to make sure everything works the way it should. Yeah, we've actually done this with our email newsletters and blasts and all that in the past where we're evaluating to see what the open rates are and what the click rates are for people clicking on links. And when we find an email that we sent out that really spikes high on open rate, meaning a lot more people open it, we're picking it apart trying to say, what was it about this particular message that worked? Now, we're not doing A-B testing. We need to be. And this is actually one I have a no on, unfortunately, and I need to have a yes on. But it makes really good sense because then you're just not guessing every time, which is what we're doing in retrospect. You actually are testing as you go along and having a little more confidence in what you're going to do. Yes, because if you can get uh, 20% opens and 7% click-through, you might be happy. But with a little bit of alteration, what if you're at 30% opens and you're at 15% click-through? You know, yeah. At that point, 5% of the people who get the email are clicking through, rather than in the other case, it might be one5 to 2%. So uh, we can assume the numbers look good, but if we don't have anything to compare it to, we don't know how we can continuously improve uh, the, the effectiveness of those emails. That's great. That's really, really good advice there on that. So good yeah. one. A good one I need to be doing myself, quite honestly. So let's see how I'm doing on the rest of these. What do you have for number five? All right. Number five is take it personally. Mm-hmm. So we often say don't take it personally, but when it comes to email, the, the motto is take it personally. For anybody who's in customer service, you know how important it is to personalize with that customer, to make them feel like they're the most important person in the world to you at that moment of truth. So what we're talking about here is I'm sure if you've received email marketing messages from organizations, it, it might come from Johnsonville Motor Speedway. And you open it up and there's this enormous graphic and it's this generic offer of something. Or you, you get it from uh, no reply at servicemastersons.com uh, and it's got a generic email and it's dear occupant just like uh, junk mail that you might might get in your mailbox, uh, your real mailbox at home. So Now, Ed, it, you're, it, yes. I, you're assuming with that that – the person's name is not no reply who's sending you the email because there you could know. be a Mr. Reply, Mr. No Reply. And if it's that, so, that that's a valid email address. Yes, I should not have made that <laughs> assumption. We apologize, right. to the, we apologize to the entire Reply family out there if we've slighted you in any way yeah. <laughs> and your son, no. But uh, in case somebody's name is no reply, just you know, letting you know that that may be a valid email address. 99.9% of the time, it's not going to be, though. I agree with you. So. Yes, that's a great point. I should okay. not be making assumptions. Yes, right. uh, but uh, it, let's say I did make the assumption that no reply was generic. <laughs> Eric. Let's just go with that just for the sake of okay, argument. Okay, fine. Let's go do that. I'm sure that's fine. <laughs> okay, thanks. Now, now you, you kind of envision those generic emails I just sent and, and what is your likelihood to open those up versus if you get an email from Sam Smith, maybe mm-hmm. the, the singer, maybe you know just whoever that person is, but he's your account rep. Right. So it comes directly from Sam Smith. It's addressed to you personally. The subject heading 
uh, let's go back to the sports analogy. Uh, let's go back to NASCAR. It's it's Dale Earnhardt Jr. is coming to your town, or mm-hmm. Jeff Gordon is on his retirement victory lap in your town. And then you open up the message, and it says, Dear Alan, we, we know you're a huge Dale Earnhardt fan, and we know you want to make sure you have the best experience possible at the upcoming race. I just want to share uh, a map that, that will go to the normal place that you park and make sure you can get in and out as quickly wow. as possible from the parking areas. That's really cool. So how, how would you respond to a message like that, and how more much more likely would you be to respond to a personalized message like that than something that's generic? Oh, that's so much data. more. I mean, I, even you just describing it just then, it sounded really exciting. It's like, I want to get an yes. email like that. And you know, another thing too, Ed, with this whole matter of, of, uh, of coming from not a personal name or address, I got to imagine a lot of our email programs and clients are going to be a lot less forgiving to those generic emails in general if they're coming in and it's very clearly from a generic email address. Those are the ones that are going to go to your spam folder. Those are the ones that are going to get trashed pretty quickly. So even just having that personalization names and somebody's name it's coming from, I think it makes a big difference just from a technical standpoint too. So Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you have the technical filter it has to get through, and then you have the interpersonal filter right. it has to get through. So that's a great point. Getting through that technical filter with more personalized, maybe a little bit more informal, definitely more customized messaging, uh, that, that'll get through the technical filter, and it'll probably also enable your customer to look at that just for a second longer to be that much more willing to open it up and, and to really learn from it or to respond to that survey that's in the email or if there's some kind of an upsell, upsell, cross-sell offer to respond to that as well. Now, Ed, you know, some people may be saying, well, wait a minute, I've got a 20,000 name database that I send out marketing messages to. You're mm-hmm. saying I need to go and like hand copy and paste manually every single one of those to send out personally. And I, and I think what you're saying is that even with automated email systems, there's still ways to make it coming from a person and it can still feed in very unique information for that customer that's very personalized systems will allow you to do that so we're not talking about you got to go and manually hand do if you've got thousands and thousands of emails you send out for marketing but it is making it come across and relate as personal as possible to that person right that, that's exactly right. I'm glad you said that. And and I just think about the different email uh, systems that we use where you're basically uploading your contacts via an Excel spreadsheet, and then you can have fields that are listed on the cover email. Uh, and if you have four or five uh, different columns in your Excel spreadsheet that are unique to that fan, maybe you're pulling it off your CRM system or you know this is something unique about that individual fan, when you pull up that database uh, into the email marketing system that all of a sudden you are sending out every email with those four or five different key points customized. And and whereas it might look like you individually spent three or four or five minutes on that email for that customer, uh, the reality is you didn't. You yeah. just did the upload, but the customer, when they're looking at it, they're saying, hey, this is all about me and I'm going to open this up. I'm much more likely to read it. I'm much more likely to c- click through and I'm much more likely to, to really act on whatever the, the survey, the education, or, or the sales message is that's included in the email. Great. Good. Yes. So, 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 Ed, that's our first five, right? That sure is, yes. Okay, great. Well, let's take a quick little break, and then I know okay. we've got the back five to get back to. We will do that in just a moment. Again, we're recapping some uh, customer service approach to email marketing tips. We've got 10 of them. We're halfway through. We're with uh, Ed Gagnon from Customer Service Solutions. I'm Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group, and we'll be back with you here on Stepping Up Service in just a quick moment. 
Hi, Alan and Chris here with an exciting announcement about something coming to the Western North Carolina area later this year. It's the first ever Foot Candle Film Festival. That's right, an honest-to-goodness film festival that's happening September 25th through the 27th at the Salt Block in Hickory, North Carolina. Films are being submitted from all over the world to be considered. Do you or someone you know have a film that you'd like to submit? Visit footcandle.org and follow the link to the festival for instructions. Stay tuned later in the year as we announce our choices and start selling tickets. Visit footcandle.org for more information. We'll see you in September. Welcome back to Stepping Up Service. This month, we're talking about the customer service approach to email marketing, something that we all use on a daily basis, some of us a lot more than others, and there's a lot of ways we could be using it as a marketing tool, but there are really important things to keep in mind from a customer service standpoint when we're using email to market to potential or current customers. So we already hit five items at the beginning. I'm with Ed Gagnon, Customer Service Solutions, going long for renewals, thinking pre, in, and post on your events, flipping the timing strategy strategy, do the A-B shuffle and have your testing versions of your emails, and then taking it personally when we deal with email and making it a personal experience for somebody. So Ed, let's go ahead and go into the back five if we can. What do you have for number six for our email tip? Yes, number six is don't always sell. So we're not saying don't sell as a part of your email marketing strategy, even in the customer service retention world, but don't always sell. And this is a major issue for a lot of different organizations. I, I often find that I personally, if I unsubscribe to an email, it's for one of three reasons. Either it's irrelevant uh, or I'm getting too many emails. Or the third reason why I unsubscribe is that it's only sales oriented. All they're doing is push and push and push and push. And there's nothing of value there for me. All they are concerned with is themselves selling. So who wants to talk with someone if the only reason why that person is talking with you is to try to sell you something? Yeah, good point. So so when you're thinking about a customer service approach to email marketing, that's why I've talked about that part of that 12-month strategy, part of your ongoing email marketing strategy needs to include surveys and asking for feedback where the only purpose of the email is to really get the input and feedback of your customers. Uh, A second I've talked about a few times already is some of your emails have to be about education, helping them to have a better experience with the products and services they already utilize. So if two-thirds roughly of the communications they get uh, from you are either feedback-oriented where they want to hear from you um, uh, or if it's education-oriented, then you as a customer are much, much more likely to open that email and and really pay attention to that email that is sales-oriented. Sales so you're not uh, to the point where you're saying, oh, another sales email, click. You're like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, it's from this organization who really uh, is wanting to hear my opinion, is really trying to help me have a great experience with their product or service. Oh, why don't I open this up? And they're much more likely to be engaged when those sales messages do come. So don't always sell. Yeah, Uh, it's a great point. And actually something a client of mine, I worked with a uh, college, uh, looking at their relationships with alumni. And uh, one thing we got feedback on is that, you know, we were asking in some survey work that we did for their uh, alumni, asking how often they read the emails or communications they get from the, the college. And we found out the main reason that a lot of their alumni don't read any of the communications is because they feel like all the college is doing is ever is trying to ask them for money. And it's that same sales idea. So they don't read anything yes. because they're just thinking that everything I get is going to be asking me for money. And, of yes. course, that's not what you want. You want there to be enough going on throughout the year so when you do have to ask for money, it's not seen as an intrusion or it's seen like a natural fit at the time. And uh, it it doesn't just apply to just customer transactions. It's 
with alumni at universities and colleges. It's with, you know, patrons and everything else. I mean, you don't want to just be constantly asking for money or their per- or their sales. You got to, you got to earn it and you got to build it up and give them something else throughout the year to, to offset that. Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent point because if you're selling, 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 and then at one point somebody comes up with a great idea, hey, why don't we use the email marketing to do a survey? They're going to see that survey email come in and just assume it's another sales message, and they're not going to give you the feedback that you're really looking for. That's right, exactly. And they miss out on some great ways to actually be connected with the college. But because they've gotten so jaded on those messages over time, it's a, it's a bad precedent to set for yourself. It really is. Yes, yeah, great. definitely. All right, well, what I, do you have next? I, Item number seven is promote with the few. Okay. So promote with the few. And what we're seeing here is that oftentimes when we will do uh, some kind of email marketing or excuse me, email etiquette, email business writing course for customer service oriented people, we tell them to use the one minute rule, which means try to construct your email in such a way that people and only looking at it for one minute can understand what the main topic of conversation is and what they need to be doing as a next step. Well, when you're talking to customers, you don't even have a minute. I mean, you might want to use a 10-second rule for your touchpoint plans. Mm -hmm. How can I get across just one or two key messages, just a very few key messages in an email that that customer can understand what is the key message and, and what this particular email is all about, literally in 10 seconds. Because if you try to put too much into these email uh, marketing messages, these customer service oriented communications and surveys, if you try to put too much into them, then all of a sudden the customer is, is going to feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. They're not looking at an email as something that they should have to spend two or three minutes weeding through. It's something quick. So use that 10 second rule, promote whatever that question is, whatever that educational information is, whatever that sales or marketing message is. And just a very few one or two key message messages so that they can look at it, understand what they need to know very quickly, and then decide if and how to move forward. And, you know, I think this applies to so many emails that I see and get and probably ones that we send as well. I mean, a lot, you know, the whole email newsletter is a big thing for a lot of people. We, we all, both our companies send it out, kind of a yes. digest of things. And, you know, I've seen plenty of organizations where they'll try to put all their information on that email instead of just giving you the highlights and letting you then go down the path if you want to read more. And anytime I get an email where I've got to scroll much too far to get and see what all's in there, I generally won't do it. Uh, I'm generally going to discard that. Or if I do feel like it's a really heavy read. So um, I'd I'd certainly agree with you. And that's definitely a way to get into my inbox and stay there is having that more focused in uh, smaller images, uh, smaller messages to share. Yes, and just since you talked about newsletters, just to piggyback on that a little bit, we used to have this belief when we started this newsletter about 15, 16 years ago that we need to put every product, every service on there because you know that might be the one service that they're really interested in. Right. And then we re- looked at our click-throughs. We were not getting excessive click-throughs. And then all of a sudden we took the perspective of, okay, they're getting 52 of these emails during the course of a year. If they're getting 52, that's 52 opportunities for me to just have a major focus on one or two of those services along with this customer service tip of the week that they're getting. And if you view it as, oh, okay, well, I'm going to have 52 opportunities to share information about training, about focus groups or about uh, culture change or research, whatever the case might be, then it helps you to think more strategically. Then it helps you to simplify and identify just what are those one or two key messages we need to have for this particular newsletter. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great, great idea. And yeah. uh, 
definitely, it, it, like I said, it, it speaks to me, and I think it speaks to a lot more people to have that much clearer focused, more limited focused email messages that you're sending out. So great yeah. tip on that. All right, yeah. num- number eight. Number eight is have a follow-up strategy. And since we're talking about newsletters, this is an excellent uh, example of it because we talk about openings, we talk about click-throughs, and you might look at that and and you might say, oh, that's great, we got the click-through, but you know they, they didn't request more information or they didn't complete the survey or they didn't ask for more information about this product or service. And you're like, rats, you know, we, we didn't get that next step. But, but what we have to realize is if people receive the message, if they did a click-through, if they had an interest, then we shouldn't just expect them to go through the entire process from there. We need to monitor what they've done and maybe follow up with them to help them navigate through what that process is. So periodically, just to give an example, since you brought up the newsletter, we will look and see who has routed that newsletter to 10 or 20 or 30 particular uh, co-workers in their organization that week. Right. So sometimes uh, we'll get an opening from a certain client, an ABC company, and it's just one opening. And sometimes that same company will have 30 or 40 different openings. It's obvious that they've routed it to others. So we'll just use those opportunities as a quick touch point. I'm going to send an email directly, personalized email to that huh. individual as a main contact on the newsletter. Follow up. Uh, you know, we, I noticed we've see, received many openings, so I wanted to see if there's something in particular that piqued your interest about the article or piqued your interest about our upcoming event. So you're touching them more personally. You're following up based on activity that they already showed you through your your analytics for that particular email newsletter. Wow, I, that's a brand new one altogether on me, Ed. So oh, I was really proud of myself that all the ones you've mentioned so far are either ones I do or I know I need to do. This is one that's like I hadn't even thought of. So that's such a great idea to really track those, the actions they take with your emails and see yes. how you can directly follow up based on what their actions and, and what their results were. That's great. Yeah, and it's been wonderful when we've done it because sometimes uh, they'll just give you all this adulation, all this appreciation. Oh, that really means a lot to our organization, and we have this certain group that meets every other week, and we look at your tips if they really resonate with us, and it really helps us. It's a huge resource. Sometimes they'll say, yeah, the reason why I clicked on focus groups is we're really interested in doing that. We wanted to see what y'all have to offer. By the way, where are y'all located, and do you travel? And, And so sometimes you just get a lot of appreciation. You see what's important to them. Sometimes when you follow up, it does uh, generate sales leads or, or some kind of additional information that will help your company continue to improve and to grow. That's great. That's really, yes. really good. I'm writing that down on my notepad as we go through this, Ed. That one's uh, Excellent. That, that's a great one. All right. So what's uh, what are you up for number nine? Number nine is teach. Okay. Very simply teach. And, and I've alluded to this several times, but when you're developing your email marketing strategy, especially a customer service approach, an email marketing strategy, at some point in a touchpoint plan, position yourself as the teacher. Hmm. You're not pushing, you're not pulling information via a survey, you are just saying, hey, if you want to make sure that you have the best experience possible in utilizing our services or uh, in getting your particular personal goals or your issues or your needs addressed with the type of work that we do, let me just tell you how to navigate our facility or let me share this article that might be of interest to you or or let me share some other resources out there that that people in a similar position to you uh, might benefit from. The same type of people who benefit from our service may benefit from these other resources as well. So Mm -hmm. at some point, provide 
some education. Put yourself in the role of a teacher with your customers so you're not just pushing or pulling, but you're really helping them to continue to grow personally and address their issues, needs, and goals in ways that go even beyond uh, whatever messages you're conveying and services you're providing. That's that's really good. And I gave a good example of this. There's a couple of online services that I use right now. And uh, I think maybe even the company we use for email marketing does this a lot. Where I'll get emails from time to time that are just little helpful tips yes. on how to use their service. You know, it's again, it's not a hard sell on anything. It's just saying, oh, by the way, did you know that you can do this, this, and this? Or have you ever ran into a problem trying to do this? Well, here's the easy way to fix it. And it's really great. Sometimes I read them, sometimes I don't. But just the fact that I know that they're sending them to me and they're not sending them like every day. This is, it's very well thought out about how frequent they are. Just, you know, I can, when I think about the email communications I get from that company, I don't think they're just trying to sell me something. I think, no, they really want me to make sure I'm getting the most out of their product as possible, which is really, really good and nice to hear. Yeah, you're a relationship builder, you're a teacher, you're a partner, as opposed to just some high-pressure sales organization. Yeah. And, and that helps to nurture and develop that relationship. Perfect. Yes. Well, it looks like we're at the end. Ed, number we 10. Are. Number 10, what do you got for us? Be a good winner. Hmm. So you, you have that relationship with the customer. They're, they're not unsubscribing. You're sharing information of value. You're, you're getting them to respond to your surveys. Uh, they're occasionally buying more products and services. The idea of this last aspect of your email marketing program is to just sometimes offer thanks, offer appreciation for their business, uh, really realize that their loyalty is important and literally tell them, you know, your loyalty is important. Have emails that go out that just say, thank you. Uh, you know, maybe it is, there is some kind of a, uh, an appreciation, a gift certificate or some kind of restaurant card that they can, uh, utilize or a coupon or something like that, of course. But the main idea here is some of these touches just have to be you showing true, sincere appreciation for their business. It doesn't have to be anything that uh, really generates any any major sales uh, or, or retention uh, renewals uh, in a given uh, email, but it's just part of the process of building relationships with customers. At some point, we need to make sure it's clear as day to them that we truly appreciate them and their business. So really it's just not taking them for granted. And right. just because we have the sale and we think they're going to renew or that we think they're going to continue, it's not taking any of that for granted. It's really over, over reminding them that we appreciate their, their patronage in general. Yes, being very intentional, direct, documented about that appreciation so that they truly realize uh, how much, we appreciate their business and how much we want to continue to build that relationship. Well, I think, I think that's a perfect one to finish with Ed, because it's a good reminder for all the way good. through. And, uh, these are some great tips. Again, I, there's a couple in there that I'm, I'm ready to go out and start using and the ones I'm not using, I know I need to be right now. So that's some really good reminders for all of us. You know, the thing is email just keeps growing in the way we're using it and the way we rely on it. And I'm sure many of us listening have our, our horror stories of how many emails we get in a day and how much time it takes to go through it. What we're talking about here is not you know, saying that email, it can be a good valuable tool for marketing your business or service, but you do need to keep these things in mind because otherwise it's just going to fly right by people's attention. It's going to go straight to a spam folder. It's going to go straight to a trash can, or it's going to start to sour people on the relationship with us, which that's certainly not what we want. So right. great tips, good information. I really do appreciate that, Ed. 
Sure. Yeah. Well, we always wrap up our show with kind of our story of the month, and I think we both have stories to share. We're actually going to end on two positive stories today, Ed, because you told me you had a positive story. And mine, you know what? Mine starts negative, but actually ends really positive. So I think that's going to be a good way to end the show today. So how about if, uh, let me go first, and if I can go ahead and tell my story, and then we'll come over to you and yours. There is a local restaurant here in town. I live in Hickory, and that's uh, where we broadcast out of uh, from my end here. And uh, Hickory, North Carolina, downtown Hickory, there's a, a nice little restaurant. Uh, I'm not going to say the name or announce that just because it's, I don't want to call extra attention on things, but it's a, it's a local favorite. It is a uh, place where uh, it's been there for years. I mean, I've worked downtown Hickory since probably mid nineties or early nineties. And this place has always been there. It's a place I can walk to go get a, a bite to eat. And I was just there last night. You know, the funny thing was though, for years, me going there, there was a one particular woman who's a member of the family that runs the restaurant who works the front counter. She's been there for years. Honestly, I think since I started going there back in the mid nineties. And I always thought for the longest time that she was one of the meanest people because she was very short. She was very abrupt with her conversation. She was uh, kind of, she almost like interrupt you as you're placing your order and just kind of rush you along a little bit. And it's just, it was real. Just, I even told my wife and not, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, I'm like, you know, I just don't think she likes people. I don't think, I don't <laughs> think she's very enjoyable to be around. The food's really good. And I like being there, but man, going up to that counter is just not fun. So that's always been my impression of things. And honestly, I think, Ed, maybe even you and I doing this show these last few years has kind of really kind of clued me in to think about customer service experiences I have. What I've started paying attention to and realizing is that, yes, okay, her, her demeanor may be a little on the gruffer side, and I wish it wasn't that way. But as I watch her, as I'm in the restaurant doing her job, I realize what it is she's doing. is She is actually going over and above behind the scenes making everybody's experience as positive as possible. She, you know, she is the first one to come out and refill your drink. And she knows exactly what your drink is at your table, even though she's got 50 people, maybe sometimes in that restaurant and she's doing it before you even ask for it. And yeah, she may not be doing it with a smile on her face. She may not be doing it with a lot of peppy conversation, but she's on it. She recognizes me to the point now where she can already know if I forget to order something a certain way. She's like, now you normally like it this way though. Are you sure you don't want it this way? I'm like, yeah, you're right. I actually do like it that way. (laughs) And you know, so it's all these things. It's like, it's kind of reminding ourselves that, okay, yes, ideally perfect world. Everybody's got a really great, pleasant disposition. But actually now what I think more about this person in this place is that behind the scenes service even if maybe you got to get past the little rough exterior to get to it. Ideally, you want to have both. But I think it's just what is it that people are going to remember longer term? And for me right now, it's all the things this person's doing to make that overall experience better, even if that one element maybe isn't quite where it needs to be. Well, that's an excellent story. And, and it's good of you as a customer to look past that initial impression and look mm-hmm. past that initial gruffness and really kind of watch the person and see what she's doing, how she's doing it, how she anticipates needs, how she's getting to know customers personally. Because a lot of people wouldn't look beyond that initial, I guess, gruffness, uh, for lack of a better way to say it. And it's great that you're doing that. And it's great that she cares enough 
about the customers to learn about their likes and dislikes and that sort of thing. Now, here's here's just the problem, though. This is what I've got to warn everybody who's listening to this. So this is a great – the story ended positively, but you've got to understand that I am guarantee you there's probably some people coming into that restaurant for the first time who get turned off and don't come back. So right. in other words, it's – yes, okay – it is really important to make sure that the lasting impression for customers is one of a great positive experience. And I think ultimately you get there, but it is also important to make sure those first impressions are really positive too. So it's a little bit of a cautionary tale. Luckily this place has built up enough of a reputation where over all the years, everybody goes there regardless. It's great. So they've got their clientele, but it's a, that's a dangerous way to get there. If you don't have that front end experience, really positive and glowing too. So it's a, yes. You know, I remember the big, the deeper things now, and that's what I think of. But I can imagine a brand new customer walking in off the street. It may be a little tough, and there's a potential to not have an ongoing sale at that point. So, anyway. Yeah, well, and you, you had brought up the point. It shouldn't be an either or. It needs to be both. And when I was describing my reaction to it, I was complimenting you as a customer because you're right. That That's the kind of experience that a lot of customers will just leave. They'll go to Yelp yeah. and they'll say something negative. So there's positive lessons to be learned, but there is that cautionary tale that you mentioned as well. Absolutely. So end us on a good positive story here, Ed. What have you got to share with us? Okay. Very quick, very simple, but it represents uh, you know something we've talked about on and off over the years. But uh, I was in a drugstore because my electric razor – uh, which has these different foils that cover the blades. Um, it, it was not rotating correctly. Uh, mm-hmm. There was definitely something wrong with uh, how one of the blades was into one of the foils. And essentially, if I was to continue using it, I can see this electric razor just gradually ripping my skin apart. I mean, not a very pretty picture. So I had to replace um, the, the foils and the blades. And I walked in. Uh, it's been years since I bought an electric razor. I walked into the drugstore and uh, I'm looking in front of all these razors, manual, electric, all the replacement parts, just kind of staring at it. And somebody who was stocking shelves who worked there walked up to me after maybe five or ten seconds. He asked if he could help me. I told him what I was doing. He said, unfortunately, uh, you know, we don't carry the replacement blades anymore, so I'm sorry that we don't have that for you. Now, it's a very simple story, but the reason why I bring this up is twofold. One is that this is somebody who had a job, they were doing a job, but when the customer walks in, their focus shifted enough to me and their mindset was proactive enough that they could stop what they're doing, stop the task and focus on the customer, proactively engage the customer. So that's the first piece of it. Somebody who is out of their task enough that they can focus on the customer that they're doing all these tasks for and then when they notice something, looking at body language, looking at my confusion, looking at me kind of scanning, uh, they could realize and anticipate and proactively uh, start a conversation with me. The second key point is that wasted uh, or, or helped me avoid wasting a ton of time. Yeah. So I could have literally been there. I could have sat, stood there for two or three minutes, not found what I wanted, started looking around, maybe had to track down an employee. But instead, I was out. I knew exactly where to go to get the uh, online, uh, to get the um, razors because I had purchased something similar online uh, a couple of years ago. So I knew what website I was going to go to. So the fact that they were proactive, focused on me instead of the task, and the fact that it saved me time is just a very simple story. But it just goes to show that so many people today 
Um, if they have that look, they have that sense that they don't know what they want, uh, they can waste a lot of time. It can put them in an awkward situation having to track down an employee. And here's just one employee who was aware enough of their surroundings to actually make that a really good experience, even though they didn't even have the product I was looking for. And this was a pretty large department store, you know, type of thing. Uh, it, it was a um, it was a drugstore, so okay. like a Rite Aid, for example. Oh, still, that's pretty yes. pretty big place. But it's though. a pretty big organization, pretty big. Uh, I, you've got yes. to send me directions to this magical store because I have not been in a <laughs> I have not been in a big drug department store to where somebody would actually stop and ask me if I needed help in yes. so long. That I don't know what I would do if that happened to me. So yes. now, of course, if I go into a small little, little small little shop, obviously that still happens a lot. But uh, you know, you and I have talked about our stories about going in some of these big box stores and just wandering right. around waiting for somebody to pay attention. Uh, I don't know what I would do if somebody actually just came up to me, especially somebody who was just stocking the shelves, and yes. asked me if they could help. That would probably yeah. just knock me over. So yeah, wow. and it wasn't that generic. Can I help you? As they're walking by with their head right. down, yeah. At, uh, piece of paper. I mean, they stopped what they're doing. They walked up to me because of just my body language and my demeanor at that point. And then they initiated that conversation. That's really, really great. Well, good. so we're, we're able to end on a couple of good positive notes. That's, that's great there. Uh, as, as a recap, you know, we went through a lot of tips, 10 of them, in fact, on uh, using a customer service approach towards email marketing, something really important that we're all exposed to so often. Many of us use as well. And a lot of great tips on that. Ed, so, so more people who want to learn more about your company and how to get in touch with you or how to follow blog posts and email news can do all that on your website, correct? Yes, exactly. Yeah. CSSamerica.com. That's CSSamerica.com. And like I say, tons of information there, not only about our services, but really uh, a tremendous amount of content where people can just go and listen and learn and grow their own personal skills or their organization's uh, skills and approaches and strategies towards customer service and client retention. That's great. A lot of great information there. I subscribe to all your, your email newsletter and I get all your blasts and it's always read through it and it's never too long. It's always got yeah. just the right, right amount of time. Uh, some good, helpful information that we can all remember. And then, uh, again, I'm with the Jackson Group. We conduct employee and customer engagement and satisfaction surveys using telephone, web, paper, all different vehicles. And you can learn more about us at thejacksongroup.com. That's T-H-E, Jackson Group, all one word, dot com. So for Stepping Up Service and the Mesh.tv, which is our online network of all the podcasts we do, you can go to TheMesh.tv and see all the different shows, and you can even go back in time and listen to older episodes of Stepping Up Service if there's a particular topic you're interested in. We do encourage you to help share episodes with friends or family or coworkers if you think it's some good, helpful information. We'd love to get dialogue and feedback from you, so on the mesh.tv, which is the mesh.tv website. You can actually go and uh, uh, send us an, send us a piece of email back. Let us know that you've heard the show and maybe you've got a question or you'd like some more information or maybe even a topic you'd love to see us cover in the future. We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off for the month. Ed, thanks so much for your time as always. Yeah, enjoyed it, Alan. Have a good weekend. Same to you. And we'll talk to everybody next month. Take care. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. 
All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard. 